Frank, 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 have you ever heard of open source software? Uh, that's when there's a zip of the source file on the BBS. Like yes, you correct. go into the download section. Yeah. And you can browse. Sometimes you'll find doom there. It's cool when you find the doom source code or Wolfenstein. Who knows? Yeah. It's GPL. <laughs> yeah. You can just do whatever <laughs> you about want. Open source software. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's free. Uh, it's free. It's out there. And I think that there's a fund out there from Microsoft that you may have heard about, correct? Uh, I recently heard about, James, I have. Uh, there is a fund called the FOSS Fund from Microsoft. This is Microsoft's free and open source software fund. It is, I don't know what to call it other than a humanitarian initiative <laughs> to help the open source community by giving them money which is a wonderful way for large companies to help the open source community. And I found out because they selected we this week, O-O-U-I, as a recipient. And that's super cool. So I want to do a whole episode where I just brag about that. Yeah, that's uh, one pretty much amazing. And I want to know what is up with we as well. Now, I don't know how or why, you know, your project got in here, but Maybe we can give a little overview first of the, the program itself and why it's sort of important. And I can at least give my perspective a little bit because um, the Microsoft open source team uh, works on this. And I know Jeff Wilcox um, also works on this team. And I was, a bit, I was chatting with him a year or two ago uh, because this has been an ongoing thing. So it's actually been going on for two years. Did you know it's been going on for two years? No, I was completely blindsided by this. Um, it was something I think you had just noticed it. So you must have been looking at this website or you were paying attention somehow. And you're like, Frank, pay attention to this website. It's important. <laughs> uh, so I was completely blindsided. I didn't know about this fund. Yeah. So the FOSS fund, which you're right, is the free and open source software fund provides a direct way for Microsoft engineers to participate in the nomination and selection process to help communities and projects they're passionate about. So this is kind of cool because it's kind of like, hey, people at Microsoft, uh, all Microsoft, not just on this, it's like everything, right? Um, select basically things to be nominated for. Um, and it says, you know, they provide a $10,000 sponsorship to open source projects as selected by those employees. And it's to help drive an open contribution culture across Microsoft. Employees are eligible to select projects for the fund when they participate in projects that are not governed by Microsoft. So somebody obviously was participating in looking at the Wii and it was selected alongside a bunch of other great projects. But when I say that, you know, this spans all sorts of things. We're talking about like ESLint, Runt, uh, Rust Analyzer, Image Sharp, um, Network Time slow Protocol. Slow down, slow down. We got to go through these. I, it, it's kind of cool, all the libraries that are actually here. So at first, when uh, you first told me about this, I thought it was going to be like a .NET thing, but oh, absolutely not. So the very first thing they seemed to have funded was a JavaScript thing. Mm -hmm. Then they went on to Rust and then a .NET thing. <laughs> that mm -hmm. was fun number three. Six flavors, image sharp. Uh, where do we go from there? What are these next two? Are these C plus plus? What are these? I, can't I don't. Talk. I don't know what these are. NTP, which is Network Time Protocol. Oh, 
Do you know what that well, is? Well, yeah, that's very important. Like the entire internet uses NTP to synchronize their clocks with each other. That's so important. That's interesting. I can't believe they didn't have funding before. Wow, I'm in good company. Well, they had they had funding, right? This is just I mean, they may have had funding, but this is like just yeah. a, a, a one time yeah, a little bonus. Yeah. And then there's, this is in 2020, then there was the non-visual desktop, which is a screen reader for the blind that is recognized by the community as a leading screen reader uh, to interact with the web and windows. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Number six, I thought was kind of interesting too. It's a library I use constantly in Python, Matplotlib. mm -hmm. It's got a long name to say, but anyone who does anything with neural networks in Python or any kind of numerical stuff. We all use Matplotlib, so that's kind of cool to see all the Microsoft employees recognize that library. Yeah, that's really neat. Like you said, that's a Python library. And there was Home Assistant, which is a open source home automation that puts local control and privacy first. That seems kind of cool. I don't know what that is written in. That seems to be Python as well. Ooh. Yeah, so we're getting a little bit of everything. Uh, wait, I love this one. IL Spy was also a recipient. IL Spy, and I don't give them enough credit, uh, powers the decompilation engine in Fugit. So if you ever have gone to Fugit and clicked on something to see the source code, source code in scare quotes, in scare quotes because it's actually a decompilation of the DLL thanks to IL Spy. So that's really cool that uh, Microsoft helped them out. Yeah, that one's awesome. And then also Sharp Lab. This one's really neat. If you've never played around with Sharp Lab, sharplab.io, this is crazy neat. Uh, it is a .NET code playground that shows intermediate steps and the results of code compilation. So this is a little bit different. It's, it's not uh, like try.net or something. But what it does is you can pull in your C Sharp code and it will show you the compiled output, basically. Yeah, and I, I remember it'll show you the IL. Will it also show you x86, like if you JIT it or AOT it? It will show you, D, it says, so in here there's, you can do any language, and then you can say what platform you want. So what versions of C Sharp, x86, uh, .NET Framework, platforms and then the results you can do il jit asm which i don't even know what jit asm is oh that's the assembly generated from the jit so it's not the assembly from the aot but it's the jit assembly which is just as important because most.net code runs under the jit so that's pretty perfect got it it also give you a syntax tree which is kind of crazy uh, <laughs> and then there's other things that you can actually run it and experiment you can say debug or release which obviously modifies your code as well so that is a pretty great one. DBA Tools, fund number 10, May 2021. DBA Tools is a PowerShell module that you may think of like a command line SQL Server Management Studio. Oh, a SQL front end. <laughs> of course, everyone needs a good SQL front end. DBA Tools, that's a new one to me. I'll have to check that one out. I don't do much PowerShelling. Do you, James? I, you, I use Terminal on Windows, but which defaults like a PowerShell, but I just run like command scripts. Like nothing's, <laughs> I'm not a command line person. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I still use like bash. Actually, I don't even use bash. I use fish, fish shell. It's the yeah. cool shell. 
Uh, so that's fun. That brought us all the way up to May 2021. And then it was in June 2021 that they did a bunch of, um, what do you call them? Sponsorships? Yeah. And this is, yeah. One-time sponsorships. So normally how this works, and this is a very interesting thing. And I'd be fascinated too if our listeners are active in other communities because we're mostly in the, the .NET community, but obviously this is more than .NET. Uh, you know, what's fascinating is normally there's a bunch of nominations and then there's a selection process and whatnot. And normally there's a $10,000 over, you know, 10 months, typically a thousand dollar payments or whatever, however it works. I'm just reading the readme here. There's all sorts of stuff like that. It's very open and transparent how the nomination process works and all this other stuff, right? And they show you what's, what's eligible, what's not eligible, things like that. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know what happened in June, but basically they just picked a bunch. They're like, we're just going to double it. <laughs> Basically, they double, they double, like almost double the amount that they output. And they picked one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of your of all different backgrounds, uh, which is crazy, including we and on a na- nano framework, too, which is really neat, too. Yeah, I, I was really excited to see .NET Nano Framework there. Uh, that one's been around forever, and I forgot that it's basically community-supported at this point. So it's nice to see Microsoft giving back to that community. I had to, I have to poke a little bit of fun. One of these is Sin, a parser, a parser for Rust source code. And also fun number two was a Rust analyzer, an experimental Rust compiler front end for IDEs. So a lot of people working on Rust compilers these days. That's kind of funny. I didn't see that. It's funny how I live in my little .NET bubble and I don't see all these things coming. A lot of need for Rust compilers, I guess, James. <laughs> yes. And a lot of, a lot of Rust. There is a whole like Microsoft Rust GitHub thing and they have like Rust for Windows and a bunch of other stuff uh, out there too. You know, that, that is a, you know, th- th- this truly also shows like how, um, how many different pieces of technology Microsoft has embraced across the company, right? Because like it says that these are normally projects that like people at Microsoft use or have supported, or like it's good for the community or X, Y, Z, right? And they're all different backgrounds. And, and I thought this was really neat uh, because I get like internal emails about it too. And I remember, um, uh, we popping up on there and it kind of, it was, <laughs> it was like, Whoa, I'm like, I know, I know that library. And I know most of these, li- you know, a lot of these libraries that are on there, but I don't know all of them necessarily. So I thought this was really neat and, uh, it's cool. So the description they had is we pronounced. We is a small cross-platform UI library for .NET that uses web technologies. And we've talked about it and we've done a bunch of stuff. And I run a website on we, um, that uses Xamarin form XAML for the UI. And, uh, it's great. Uh, and I loved it. And you, have recently sort of gone back in and been updating and stuff like that. But when you found out about this, like how you've done open source software for a long time, like when you found out all about this and not only that we was selected, like what went through your mind? Like what happened? Uh, what went through my mind was, oh, geez, I better get the quality level up. <laughs> <laughs> a lot more people are going to find out about it now. <laughs> um, well, honestly, what went through my mind was I was just very excited. So <laughs> obviously that was all fun. Um, but I, I, I was we, we had just talked about we not too many episodes ago. Mm-hmm. And I think I had made a promise that I think I'm going to start looking at Maui versions of it. And I have actually been doing that on my Twitch show. 
and it's been going pretty well. So when this happened, I felt like, oh boy, now I really got to work on that Maui version because a lot of people are going to be expecting it. This is the library that runs the mobile libraries. You know, we're mobile developers. So that's why I've been focusing on Xamarin Forms and now Microsoft Maui. So uh, I felt a little obligation, <laughs> to be a little bit honest. I felt like I need to increase the code quality a little bit. You know, I was just listening to a really good interview from the developer, one of the developers, the main developer of SQLite. Not my little front-end library, but the actual database engine. And he was talking about how he took a year off from features and whatnot and just wrote unit tests. Just tested every single line of code in that library. And to an absurd standard, and I'm going to say absurd standard because he mentioned like some book you can get out there that talks about ways to thoroughly test something like this is beyond 100% code coverage. It's 100% code coverage plus you're coming at it from the multiple different angles, like calling functions from different call spots and that kind of thing. So you're trying to achieve that. And listening to that episode, all I thought about was, I really need to increase the quality of my code. <laughs> but that's just me. That's what I turn to immediately. I, I like that. I mean, that's a that's a good point. Now, obviously, this was granted, but there, there wasn't like a... No. An ultimatum. Like, like, oh, you better do this, huh? Or, or we'll see. Uh, I, no, I this is just my... This is just my personality, you know, okay. like if someone says like s- says something nice about something, they're like, OK, well, I got to go make sure it's really good then. <laughs> you know, that's all it is. Well, I, and um, it, it the library is getting a, attention, you know, so I want to make sure it's good. I talk about it a lot. We spend time talking about it. I don't want it to be a piece of junk. And so that's what I think about. But um, no, this nomination is just pluses just makes me happy. I like it. Well, let's talk a little bit about .NET MAUI web with we. Uh, but first, let's take a quick break and thank our amazing sponsor this week, Sync Fusion. Listen, you know Sync Fusion. You love Sync Fusion. I love Sync Fusion. I talk about them all the time on the podcast because I use Sync Fusion. I use it because they have beautiful controls and UI widgets for my applications. When I was building Island Tracker for iOS and Android with Xamarin Forms, they gave me all of the inputs, the charts, the graphs, the data entry, a beautiful design for my application and all the controls that worked in the toolbox and all the things. When you go to syncfusion.com slash merge conflict, you'll find all of the amazing controls that they have out there for basically anything that you want to build, whether it's a Xamarin app or a UWP app or ASP.NET or Blazor or JavaScript or Angular or Vue, they got it. And when you look at their controls, they have everything. I mean, I talk about charts and graphs, but they have calendars and schedulers and tree maps and and buttons and switches and list views and parallax views and cards and PDF and Word and steppers and chatbots and PDF viewers. And I mean, they got they everything. And you name it, they got, they got you covered. So what do you need to do? You need to go to syncfusion.com slash merge conflict. That'll take you over there and you can select right up top products for anything. They not only have great developer platforms, but they also have an entire analytics, reporting, all sorts of great stuff that you can integrate into your workflow. Check them out, syncfusion.com slash merge conflict. And thanks, Syncfusion, for sponsoring this week's pod. Thank you, Syncfusion. Yeah. Trees, trees. I put trees in all my apps. I need to use their trees. 
trees. Yeah, don't don't rewrite those. Don't don't write your own. Just let Syncfusion handle it for you. Yeah. Um, I just want to give a quick shout out. That interview that I was talking about was on the co-recursive podcast, and it was the July 2nd episode, and it was mm-hmm. Richard Hip. if anyone's interested. It was a really got, good interview. Do you got a link you can put in the Zencaster chat, and then boom, I'll link it I'll in try, the pod. I'll, I'll, I'll try. I'll try. Mo, MoCast is a little funny about links these days. <laughs> copy. Just a little copy link. And use just a little, use just a little copy. Just a little copy and paste in. Oh my goodness. All right. So I recently, I did a pull request, Frank, to, I've done two pull requests to .NET MAUI. Can you believe it? I did that. Ooh, that happened. Mm-hmm. Are you a developer again? Uh, you keep doing uh, this. That's, you know, <laughs> that's, uh, you know, I don't know about uh, that. Okay. All right. So what, 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 what were you doing? Okay. So the first thing I did is I've, there's this, there's this other initiative. Recursive. I'm Adam Gordon Bell. Oh, I heard the podcast. Uh, <laughs> so two things happen. One, there is this project at Microsoft, and it is called the, what did we call it? It's a thing that I'm working on at work. It's called the, contri- the con- Contributor Community Experiments. Okay. And Contributor Community Experiments. Got I it. I don't, uh, trust me, we spent five meetings talking about this name for the repo, but that's what the repo is called. And and the whole idea is, is trying to grow and strengthen the communities in Microsoft open source projects. Talking about open source, right? So this is about, there's responsiveness, productivity, transparentness, inclusivity, and approachability. And, and I'm working on the approachability part, which is that users are recognized, they're welcomed, you know, they want to engage, kind of break down some barriers so mm-hmm. I've been working with Safia and uh, Bill and a few others. And the first thing I did is I did a pull request, not actually ah. to the to the repo source code, but I made a code tour. Do you know about code tours, Frank? I've heard the word, but no. Tell me. Okay. Code tours are really cool. And what they enable you to do is a VS Code extension. And what it allows you to do is create this little JSON file, and have, but it has this beautiful, you know, basically, uh, um, you know, UI inside of VS Code. And what it does is it creates this JSON file at the end of the day. But what the JSON file does in VS Code is it enables you to do an onboarding walkthrough to do a guided tour of your code. So you can, you know, pick a folder, a file, uh, a line of code inside of the repo you can pin it to a branch you know so in case you change your code but the idea is imagine someone comes into .NET Maui repo and they say how do I add a handler or how do I contribute to Xamarin Essentials well you could dig around for 15 hours and look through the repo and try to figure it out or you could do the code tour you do the code tour and you just click next and it jumps around and it shows you all the places in the code as I, and then you enter text. So it describes like what each part of the thing does. And that was my first contribution. And that's in a draft form right now. And I'll put a link into it, but it's really cool. So the idea is like, especially for internal, but external too, is, is anybody could look at an open source project, open it in VS code or a code space and boom, you got, you can walk through the code and you can have as many code tours as you want, which is really cool. I have two responses. A super cool. B, I find it hilarious the things that you decided to put into this tour. <laughs> oh, <yes. laughs> I, I put in two 
two different code tours. One is control handlers, and the other one was essentials. Sam or Don and Maui essentials. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. So it was the essentials I figured were a pretty yeah. I figured those were gonna come in. But you started with I button. I love this. So I have never actually run this, and I am totally gonna do this for my libraries because well, SQLite is just one giant file, so I figure everything's easy to find in it, but that's totally not true. So I am going to do this. But uh, what does, I'm sorry, I'm such a noob at this. What does the UI look like in so, uh, code? Does code do it or VS? VS code. So VS, VS code, code does. you got all the pads on the left-hand side, you know, like the output and the watch and all that stuff that comes up over there on the left-hand side. Mm-hmm. Um, well, one, when you open when you open, if you were to take my 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 fork here and you were to open yeah. my branch, when mm-hmm. you open the folder in VS Code, it say, "Hey, there's code tours available. Would you like to walk through a code tour?" and 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 it pops up. Now, if you if you say no and you want to come back later, in the bottom left, it'll be like, "Here's all the code tours," and you can just hit the play button, and it walks you through like an app walkthrough, right? Like you know how an app will like highlight a section of code or the section of the functionality and be like, "Next, next, next." So it'll walk you through the code tour and it, and it opens the file. And if you have a line selected or whatever you want, it will highlight all the stuff. Okay. This I'm going to have to take advantage of it's documentation. I feel like I still need to document more of my API, but I'll get on this too. Actually I'm doing all right on my API documentation. (laughs) Uh, Super cool. Super cool. So um, I I know what you mean about being your first PR too. I used to do a few mono PRs. I did some when we were doing Mac, when I did Mac Catalyst. Mm -hmm. Um, I did some, I've done bindings before in Xamarin. Those were much different experiences from the very early days. I used to do mono stuff also, but it was much simpler. Um, You wrote some changes, you turned it into a diff, and you emailed it to your friend, and maybe or maybe not, it would get merged into the source code. So that process seems to have changed. <laughs> now we have PRs, now we have a whole thing, and it is kind of intimidating and all that. So you, you must be a big name over at Microsoft land. So I'm assuming your PR just went in immediately, right? Oh, no, I put it in draft because I need to review this with the engineering team to make sure it's actually accurate or not. I, I think <laughs> I know what I'm doing in here, but maybe not. When this was a good experiment for me because... Uh, I, I would like to do this on my own repos. Um, I, and obviously the Xamarin essential or the Xamarin essentials, the Donet Maui <laughs> essentials one was easy because it's based off of Xamarin essentials. And I, I helped contribute to that code with the team. So I knew the infrastructure well, but the handlers, I really didn't. So I documented down the chain, like I button, I view, I framework, the button handlers, the, the other button handlers, the mappers. And the implementations I'm like, and the tests and the samples, I'm like, I think this is what I want, but on my live stream last week, which I'll put a link to, to it in, in, in there, it's on my YouTubes. Now I decided to, uh, do something which was getting started contributing to .NET Maui. Cause I was like, I wrote a code tour. So obviously I know how to basically, you know, write .NET Maui. And I kind of did like a kind of, kind of <laughs> did. Um, but I will say this. And I want to get into like how you've been extending it is what I, what I plan to do was look and just do a walkthrough of the functionality of Don and Maui. And I walked through the button class and funnily enough, I was 
looking at the Windows implementation, it was missing something. So I actually made a pull request <laughs> to add a piece of functionality. But I really like this handler architecture of Maui and how yeah. it works and makes a very simple abstraction and like this property bucket. It it reminds me of the the essentials implementation because it seems to use like a lot of bait and switch almost where like there is a there's a common chunk of code that is called but there's platform specific methods that get called and however they you know used object orientedness of all the interfaces and the view handlers and all this stuff a lot of the core cruft of like layout and text and this like in colors and whatnot a lot of that is handled for you automatically. So when I look at the button code, it's like, I don't know, 50 lines of code to implement a button. And you're like, what? That's a, how? You know what I mean? Like, it's very, very minimal to add a new property or to extend it or to just implement a new control because a lot of the hard work under the, the hood is done for you automatically. Now, at least that's what I saw, at least. I don't, I don't know if that's an accurate statement or not of the, the handler technology. And you probably know more than I do at this point. <laughs> uh, no, uh, everything you said is spot on. I, I do like the handlers too. This handlers are the new renderers, what we called renderers in Xamarin Forms. And what they've done is made the relationship just quite a bit more explicit between the two. For instance, if you had back in the day a Xamarin Forms button, you could not really get the native button object. It, it, it was technically there. If, if you knew the tricky ways, you could kind of get to it. But in this new system, the button is actually an I button, which is an I view, which is an I framework element. Um, but they actually have a reference to their handler, hmm. and that handler has a reference to the native control. So the one big improvement I see from the app developer side is that the views, the cross-platform views, still give you access to the native control if you absolutely demand it, like I usually do. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, you know, because I'm a I'm an evil coder. I always uh, take advantage of iOS and I want to push those things. And I was going to make fun of you for choosing your example as button because of all the basic controls, that one's the most complicated on iOS because of all the like colors and default fonts and things like yeah. that. You know, la label is the good baby one to start with. But yeah, it's um, and it's all done through a big registry system. So these iView handlers are registered. You register and in your startup code. This is all done for you if you're doing like iOS and Android. But if you're insane like me and want to swap out the back end, then you can actually override which handlers are created for which views. So when we starts up, for example, when if you want to do your Maui on the web, you would just say like, uh, we install yourself into the startup and then we would become the thing that handles all the buttons and the labels and the entry boxes and things like that. It's a pretty elegant architecture. I have some complaints about the nitty gritties of it, but overall the architecture is very elegant and I think app developers will like it, especially for the swappability aspect. Yeah, the the swappability and the extensibility, and for you know control vendors like Syncfusion and everyone else, you know, there's there's ways to extend and light up and say, you know, well, you know, 
yeah, there's a button, but or this or a toggle, but like, yeah, really, this is going to be mega epic toggle, but like handle that base <laughs> functionality under the hood, right? The layout stuff and not have to do everything. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I really liked how you could um, basically add properties easily. So if, for example, the team or yourself wants to extend the control and say, oh, you know what? Like there's a button but I really need some other event. You can easily add an event or another property or set some native functionality in like a line of code, pretty much. You just say, hey, I'm going to add now a super deluxe color, and that's going to set the something other on, on the native view. And how each of these properties um, work is they call like a method that passes in the native control. So you can easily get access to it and, and like a line of code. And I was doing that on my stream. I was like, look how easy it is to extend this. And since you're in a multi-targeted project, you can just, if def compile. So you could say, if iOS, I only want to do this one thing to the button, for example, and then boom, you're, you're off to the races. So I thought that, that was really neat architecture. Yeah, so you keep bringing up the property mappers, yes. which are, they're kind of fun because they're totally optional. In fact, they're just there to make it easier to implement these handlers. Mm. Because what what do most renderers and handler th things do? They just go from one dot text property to another dot text property, another True. dot foreground color to the other dot foreground color. And it's a pretty simple mapping. And so if you have that very common case, pretty much, I mean, 95% of all controls are just property mapping. Uh, they have this nice little dictionary format that you put things into. You give it the property name, you give it the types, and you give it the function to handle what to do. And the neat thing is that property mapper takes care of invalidation. So it'll do the change tracking, the binding, the, you know, the stuff you don't want to do. It'll do all that nasty stuff for you. And you just have to implement the update function. Again, this isn't stuff that like, I don't think a lot of like app app developers will do it. Definitely. If you're writing controls, you'll probably end up doing a bit of this stuff. And I don't know, maybe app developers will do it if you just want to override the default behavior of handlers. Like in Xamarin Forms, we had effects. You could override effects mm. or you could override renderers. They were both a little bit scary and all that, but maybe because handlers are a little more friendly, maybe people will override them more often. It could be, yeah. Or to, to light up the property buckets or whatnot. I think when you used to have to implement your own I think when you used to have to implement your own renderer, it seemed like you were really yourself having to handle a bunch of the lifecycle events. And it seems as though this has gotten rid of a bunch of that. Yeah, the big difference with handlers is that you generally do not do any event subscription. And one of the developers of Maui explained it to me. He was like, you know, with event subscription, there's bugs. Yeah. <laughs> and they just kind of wanted to eliminate that class of bugs. We we used to talk about it all the time on this show. Whenever there is a quote-unquote memory leak in .NET, it's usually some event on some root object that you just totally forgot about. And it's hanging onto some pointer of something that you just totally forgot got added to that list. It's, it's funny how events can create these kind of memory leaks. And so they just said no events. 
Yeah. And and for the and for the areas in which you do need to maybe subscribe to an event on the native control, what they've done is they have um, simple methods that are overridable, which are connect handler and disconnect handler. And that's when you would register events or different handlers. And that's what I actually did do in the Windows implementation is there's this pointer press and pointer release, like when you're tapping on the button. So mm-hmm. you can do like you know, touch up outside, for example, like someone in the chat when I was streaming, I was like, what about touch up outside? And I was like, when have you used touch up outside ever in, in your code? And he's yeah. like, oh, I need it. And I was like, okay, well, then no. there's a, there's a released, you could just subscribe to released instead of clicked. And, uh, I implemented it in like three lines of code. It was so easy. It was like really, really easy to just add a piece of functionality in there, which was, I thought really delightful. And the names oh. kind of make sense. There's like a create native view, connect handler, disconnect handler. I'm like, I don't know. What else do you need to do? <laughs> yeah, and it's especially easy when you're editing the Maui source code itself. They take big advantage of if defs and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. If you're outside of the code base, it gets a little trickier, but definitely if you're inside there, it's yeah. easier. Yeah, so what has it been like for you to you know, be someone that is trying to create another front end layer for uh, .NET to work with .NET MAUI? Like how is, how is that been? Because your goal would be to use the .NET MAUI XAML or C Sharp or F Sharp, the code that is creating a new button. So someone could reuse it on their, their, their um, devices and desktops. So their phones, their tablets and their desktops. Uh, which would use the .NET MAUI renders, but your goal would be to say, hey, let's run this on the web and create a website out of it. And of course, you would need handlers for for a bunch of stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, And I want to rewind just to make sure I'm clear. When I was saying there aren't events, I was talking about the handler side, the I call it the back end, and I think it's called the back end, not the front end. So we would be a new back end for MAUI. And when I was talking about there being no events, I was talking about it on the handler side. Of course, button has a tapped or clicked event. Of course it does. You know, that's not going away, everyone. It's there. Don't worry. It's probably a command too. Who knows? But the neat thing is when you are writing a new backend for Maui in this architecture, I can actually ignore a lot of that stuff. That's called the Maui.controls library, I believe it is, Mm -hmm. that has like all the events and everything on button. And that's the kind of XAML controls that everyone's used to. I think of that as a front end to Maui. And there are other front ends like uh, Clancy's Comet or some variation of it as a code first approach to doing Maui apps will be coming in as or hopefully coming in as like a front end to it. But the back end is the thing that's responsible for actually, you know, putting pixels on the screen. The front end is kind of like the programmer's API. And the back end is the handler's API that people who want to render out um, Maui have to deal with. So let's say I wanted to create like a cool 3D neomorphic version of Maui. I would have to do exactly what I'm doing for Wii. I would just re-implement the handlers. Instead of using a UI button, I would draw the button myself using the handler. Got it. And then you would call specific methods like when there was a click event, basically. Yeah, exactly. It's it's not too bad if you've ever written Xamarin Forms renders before. 
So your uh, your question though was uh, how's it felt? Well, it, it's tough. It's tough. They have gone full in on the if def style of programming and doing cross platform, which is a little tricky because that means not everything is abstracted out where mm. I would want it to be. And so you know, it, it, I think there's a few other uh, unofficial versions of Maui. I think there's a Linux version out there in Mm -hmm. the repository that's running. Uh, I don't think it's officially supported, but it's there. Um, Every, everyone runs into their own issues, but you know, things that we want, you know, may not be abstracted out. Maybe the Linux one was a little easier. It's a little closer to those um, particular things. It's always weird stuff like, um, you know, I want to implement my own I button, but I also have to override controls dot button because they cheat a little bit with the inversion of control and they register more specific classes than they should. So I have to file bugs against that. And then other weird little things because .NET 6 is coming out, James. I don't know if you know that, but .NET 6 is coming out and oh boy, it's changing a lot of things, especially when it comes to frameworks. So I'm still trying to figure out what kind of framework uh, we Maui is going to be. But that's just all part of the crazy excitement of the merger and .NET 6. There is a lot of moving parts. And yeah, that, that's one thing that I definitely was experiencing and something I'm going to work with the team on this week. So maybe by the podcast is out is just kind of some kind of contribution guides of like, hey, here's, you know, blah, 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 blah. Right. And like, here's a developer <laughs> guide and blah, 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 you know, so kind of like updating it and doing different things. I'm kind of looking at that. And I think there is probably a guide that needs to be written, which is like how to do what you're doing. And because you're kind of figuring it out. Yeah, I, you know, darn it, you're making me kick myself. I kind of want to write a guide, though, now how to write a backend for, you know, Microsoft Maui. Let's write that neomorphic one. I've always wanted to. I started it on my uh, Twitch show. I, I really want that, like, those white soft shadows with a little glow from the cancel button. I think it's going to look gorgeous, James. And imagine doing that in XAML. It'd be hilarious. <laughs> if you, you can do anything if you put your mind to it. So that is for sure. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited that the, how it's progressing and that you're even able to do this, right? I mean, it's not even released yet. It's in previews. And you started this a while ago, right? I mean, in one of the very first previews, maybe? I, I, I took a look and I got a lecture on it, but I didn't actually put code down until preview three. I decided to wait for that just because I knew a lot of things were in flux. They were deciding exactly um, which um, IOC containers were responsible. Am I saying the right thing? IOC container? Yeah, inversion of control container, whatever. The big registry of types. <laughs> uh, that, that thing kept moving around a little bit. But yeah, um, I am currently caught up, no API coverage or anything, up to preview five. In preview six, those uh, framework issues became an issue. <laughs> so I need to talk to the team and figure out what to do for preview six. But uh yeah, it's progressing and it is, it's hot moving parts. That's why I didn't want to throw a lot of time into it in the beginning, but like Maui's coming out in like November-ish, at least some version of it. And I kind of want to move my apps over to it just 
because it's the future and I often wait too long to switch frameworks and I don't want to be caught off guard again. So the moment Maui is released, I'm switching my apps over to it. Yes. Uh, you have .NET Conf coming up in November. You go to .NET Conf.net. Uh, that is for sure. I'll just selflessly plug everything. <laughs> yeah. So what no, are you going to do? important. Like a lot of stuff is going to be announced, and I'm sure we're going to do a whole bunch of episodes on all that stuff. So consider this one of the early Maui episodes, everyone, because we all have a bit of learning to do. Totally. And if you do want to follow along, I'll selflessly plug my YouTube. If you do want to follow along, I've been putting out uh, videos I've been doing in my spare time as I'm kind of exploring and doing stuff. You know, I'm a manager now, Frank. So I'm not in the code. I was never in the code, but I'm not as close to the code <laughs> as I used to be back in my back in my day. Um, but you know, I, I interface with the team a lot, so it's it's quite fun. And and I don't try to you know sim ship the release and this and that. There's a lot of moving parts, so I sort of take some time and bop around and try some projects. And then you know, in the weekend after the hike, I'm like, let let me record a video on .NET Maui. So I've been doing .NET Maui. Uh, preview videos on my YouTube, youtube.com slash James Montemagno. I'll throw a link in there to the Don and Maui um, playlist. And I, I, I've done all the all the previews. I've just done them all and kind of I watch as it's progressed. I love all your thumbnails. You have the best expressions on your face, James. Go for just the thumbnails, everyone. Thank you. Uh, those are my good friends over at Cinder Design Co. Uh, they do a great job of all the thumbnails. And I did find a really great service, remove.bg. Um, they Ooh. can take any photo and they remove your background uh, and you can pay like a, a fee or pay per, per photo. And you can preview it first before you pay for the full res version. You can get the low res version for free. But yeah, I, I literally have a, a photo album that's called Silly James with just a tons of different poses of uh, me doing random stuff. Um, I was just about just to ask that. I was going to ask if those actually happened during the video or if those were no Silly James folder. Uh, it's the Silly James folder. Great. Silly, <laughs> silly James folder. Although sometimes uh, uh, Christina, who works on this stuff uh, on the team, she has uh, kind of a vision for what like what, what I should be doing in the photo. And uh, then I like take a photo specifically for that. But yeah, it, it's quite, quite fun. So uh, they're, they're really fun. She's the producer and you're the talent. Funny. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's all a, Hollywood. It's all Hollywood on mirrors, those, everyone on those YouTubes. So yeah, it's good stuff. All right, cool. It's fun. Yeah. It's a, yeah. it's, it's fun because you know, the, I've worked with the Cinder Design Co. My, my friend, Michael and Christina, and I'll, I'll put a link to their there in their in their show notes. Cinderdesign.co, uh, and I've worked with them for a long time, and they did my entire self branding. So, um, my if, if that makes sense, I don't know. Does that make sense? <laughs> self branding. It does in 2021. If you said that in the 1990s, I don't think we'd ever speak again. Yeah. So. I have an entire like color palette and this and that and all this different stuff. And, and they did the soundbite FM logo, um, as well. The coffee cups that we've sent out, the stickers we've sent out and love those mugs. Uh, yeah, I Best love those mug. mugs. I drank out of one today. Uh, and so I worked with them, you know, to do my personal, you know, design and my palette and all this stuff. And we've talked through all this stuff. So when I was like, Hey, I'm really thinking about, just just dabbling in the YouTube, but I want to have a strategy across all my my properties, my Twitch, my YouTube, my Twitter. So when you go to my channel, 
there's like banners and colors and images, and they're all seamless across all the different properties that I have. And then they put all that together. And then we have a whole like board of, of doing thumbnails and this and that. It, it's quite fun. Uh, it, it's it's kind of like a mini business like on, on the side because I do, I do all that stuff just like we do this podcast. It's eight o'clock at night right now in, in our <laughs> spare free time. So. so much spare free time. Oh, wow. See, I don't know whether I was... I was going to take back my compliment because like, I really like all your thumbnails and I'm like, well, someone else is doing it for you. But now I'm going to give the compliment back because just organizing all those people, I was like sliding out of my chair as you were describing the team and everything. So good on you for being a manager when you're not being a manager, James. Bravo. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. And there's, there's some really good ones. So if you tune in, there's, I don't know when I'm going to put this one out, maybe later this week. Um, I have one called editing and producing a podcast, which is all about how we literally make this podcast and how I edit and produce the podcast too, uh, which is cool. And uh, you don't have to edit. I I never speak over you. There's no need for an edit. Yeah. Um, Well, the video (laughs) uh, is is what it would claim elsewise. So uh, yes. Anyways, anyways, I'll stop self-promoting myself. But anyways, thanks for everyone for tuning in. I got to go edit this podcast, Frank, because you're going to get on a plane. I'm going to get on a plane. We're flying to, I don't know, somewhere in the Midwest. That's a terrible idea, but we have to do it because of family. So family got to always do it for family. Yes. Not excited. I mean, I love my family, but not excited about getting on planes again. I'm super excited. (laughs) No. Anyways, we'll report back next week if we've survived the flights. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Until next time. This has been another Merge Conflict. I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.